Have you ever felt a bit stuck when it comes to developing your career? Have you thought, I need to go on more training, but there's no budget available in my organisation? Or I don't know what to do next in order to get myself ready for that next level or promotion? Well, if that's you, you're going to find today's episode super, super helpful. Welcome to the Influence and Impact podcast for female leaders. My name's Carla Miller, and I'm a leadership coach who helps female leaders to tackle self-doubt, become brilliant at influencing, and make more impact at work. I've created this podcast to help you to become a more inspiring and impactful leader. And I want to become the leadership BFF you didn't know you were missing until now. So my guest on this episode is career coach Faye Wallace. The big thing for all of us is that we have strength. Even when our confidence is absolutely at rock bottom, I promise you, if you've you know made a mistake or you're doubting yourself, you have got incredible strengths, but you probably don't know what they are. Now, Faye has a fantastic background in HR and she specializes in coaching HR and people professionals. She's the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching, and she also has a five-star rated podcast called HR Coffee Time, where you can hear free advice and ideas every week. Now, you absolutely do not need to be an HR professional to get any value from this episode. It is packed full of value for anyone listening. And I have recently recorded an episode on Faye's podcast as well. So if you are an HR professional, I would absolutely recommend that you go and check that out. So in this episode, we talk about what you can do if you want to develop your career and how sometimes the things that develop us most in our career are quite surprising. So Faye is going to share with you her top tips on what you can do to get ready for promotion, how you can get the experience you need how you can ask your line manager for the experience you need and how to get the exposure that you need as well. I think you're going to find this a super helpful episode. It also aligns with a couple of other episodes along this theme. So we have an episode as well on taking control of your career and one on increasing your visibility that after you've had a listen to this, you might want to head on over and listen to those. Now, before we roll the episode, in terms of what's been going on in the life of Carla, I'm still super, super busy, but my exciting news is completely not work-related at all, which is, um, as many of you know, I had a trampolining accident, which makes my life sound far more exciting than it is. It was my first time on a trampoline for years, and I managed to completely rupture my ACL on there. That was over six months ago. But I can now climb stairs like a normal person. Trust me, that has been very embarrassing. I'm going up and down stairs at very busy train stations like a small child. And I climbed a fell the other day. To be fair, I walked up a fell. Climb would be an exaggeration. It was like a steep hill version of a fell. But I moved here to Cumbria six months ago. I have been looking longingly at the fells for six long months, just thinking, I really want to go up one. And so Charlie climbed his first fell. I mean, he did moan most of the way up and had to be incentivized with chocolate. But afterwards, he told me it was fun. Um, and I really enjoyed climbing my first fell since my move up, to, up here to Cumbria. And it was just nice to be out there 
in nature. So that was brilliant. I'm also very much looking forward to December when I'm hoping to slow down a little bit and do some much needed deep work. And I've scheduled out time in my diary and called it deep work with the idea that I'll do some proper thinking and making decisions on things. And yeah, I think that's about it in my world. Uh, So let's roll the episode and give you all a big boost when it comes to developing your career. So I'm delighted to welcome the lovely Faye to the podcast. Hi, Faye. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing very well. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. As you know, I am a genuinely huge fan. I've been listening to your show for years. So I'm a bit overexcited about being here today. (laughs) Well, I was excited to be on your podcast too. So we've done a good swap. And we'll let you know about Faye's podcast at the end of the episode so that you can go and have a listen to that as well. We are talking career development today. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be focusing on this area? And I know you work a lot with HR leaders as well. Before becoming a career coach, my career was spent mainly working in HR and recruitment. And actually, for a long time, a huge part of my role was recruitment. And I didn't particularly want to do that. I remember asking my boss repeatedly, please, please, can you move me into more of a pure HR role? And what I didn't realise at the time was that I was actually being set up for my future career. I always think that's so interesting when we look back and can see that things we didn't recognise the value in necessarily then are actually going to help us in the future. So what happened was friends and family started saying to me, "Say you know about recruitment, don't you? I just cannot seem to get a new job. Would you take a look at my CV for me? And so I'd say, yeah, of course. And They'd put their CV in front of me. And because I was literally looking at hundreds, sometimes thousands of CVs every week, straight away, I would be able to say, oh, yeah, no, don't worry. All you've got to do is change this, change this, you know, put a bit more information in here. And then they'd go away. And I still remember the first person I helped with this. They were absolutely astounded. She was so grateful. It was one of the most rewarding moments ever because she said, you don't understand. I've been trying to get a new role and it was a career change for over a year I haven't had any interviews and I've just got one straight away. Thank you so much. And I was like, oh, that's really nice to have been able to help. And I didn't really think any more of it. But of course, what happened was word started to spread. So friends of friends and family would ask me more and more. And I was just doing it on the side. And I didn't really think anything of it apart from it was nice helping everyone. But then what happened at work was that my boss finally took pity on me and said, OK, <laughs> I'll move you out of the recruitment role into an HR role. And I would like you to take the lead on our employee engagement strategy. So I thought, hooray, I've been really hoping for this for ages. And when I looked into our results, I realised that one area we weren't scoring very high on was around a perceived lack of career development opportunities. And I was quite surprised to see that because working in recruitment for all that time and working within the organisation, I knew that there were huge opportunities available for everyone. So I thought, okay, I I can do something about this. So I went away and I did a bit of training on career development and career management. And I designed and put together a workshop that I delivered with my colleagues all about how you can manage and develop your own career. And I remember promoting it, you know, internally throughout the organisation. I had run other forms of learning and development and training before. 
But often that was sort of mandated stuff, <laughs> like that you were expected to go to. And you'd have to strong arm people into going. So I was so taken aback when actually we were completely oversubscribed for this uh, career development workshop. We had to keep running it again and again. I had people queuing down the corridor to get in. I was like, what is going on? This is just, I can't get over it. It got rolled out globally. It got picked up by our parent company. It just, a really small idea that I hadn't expected to have an impact, had a huge impact. And I had people coming up to me at the end of that workshop saying, I had no idea I had this much control over my career. Thank you so much. I had one person in tears. It was it was just really, really amazing to have that happen. And as an offshot of that, I started being asked if I could coach and support people within the organisation. And it was at that point that I suddenly realised, oh, this is what I should be doing. <laughs> it's so rewarding. It's so wonderful seeing the difference you can make in people's lives. Although I still really enjoy my HR role, I'm going to step aside from it and I'm going to train to become a career coach. So that's what I did. And I set up my business, Bright Sky Career Coaching, six and a half years ago. And I predominantly focused on helping people either get their next job, change career, or excel in the career that they have. But more and more recently, partly because of my HR background and partly because of my podcast, I seem to have attracted more and more HR professionals. So now I predominantly coach HR professionals with their careers. Fantastic. And I love that journey and how eventually it just became completely obvious because we can sit down for ages and think, what do we want to do with our lives? But sometimes we just discover along the way the stuff that we love. Now, um, I know that my audience would be very cross with me if I don't ask you about what makes a good CV because you've mentioned that you are a whiz with CVs. Um, maybe... And, and I hadn't prepped you for this question, but maybe uh, let us know some of the mistakes people make with CVs and what makes a good CV to you or your top tip that someone listening could use. I'm a complete CV geek. I have a whole course on how to <laughs> write your CV. Um, I don't actually write many myself anymore because when I started out, I did a lot of CV writing and I started being referred to as the CV lady. And I'd say, no, 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 I'm not a CV lady. I, I, I'm a career coach. I'm a career coach. <laughs> so it, I had to kind of really pull back from that to try and make sure that I was still spending most of my time coaching. But there, oh my goodness, there are so many tips I could give you about CVs. I think my biggest tip often feels like the most obvious one, but it isn't one that I've realised people think of necessarily. And it's Yes, make sure you're tailoring your CV for every role that you apply for. I think most of us are familiar with that advice. Lots of people don't follow it, even though they know that they probably should. And it's just because it's time consuming and, and boring. And there's a real danger that you can just keep clicking apply, apply, apply online because it's so easy to apply online for roles now. And it can be tempting to think, if I just apply for everything, I'm going to get something. But actually, the opposite is true. The more targeted that you are in choosing the jobs you apply for, the more you give yourself time to tailor your CV for that role, the much bigger your chances are of getting it. And I could absolutely see when I was in that internal recruitment role, the people who had tailored their CVs because they would reference the organisation. They would be really highlighting the key skills that they knew were required for that role. So they would just instantly go to the top of our shortlist when we were looking at who we were going to invite for interview. 
And the easiest way in the world to tailor your CV to the role you're applying for is to read the job description. So sometimes there will just be quite a short job advert, but if there isn't a full job description attached, contact the organisation and ask them if they have one. Because again, having done internal recruitment, I would notice if someone asked, because you think, gosh, they're really interested. Like no one bothers to ask for a full job description. I'm going to keep my eye out and see when they apply. And then once you've got that full job description, just go through it and see the language they're using and try and make sure that you are reflecting that in your CV. The skills they're asking for, even if you haven't got evidence of having used those skills, reference them in the CV. So for example, you know, coming from an HR background, let's say that I was applying for a role and I needed solid employment law knowledge and experience, but I hadn't really ever had to use it. Well, I can still put the words employment law on there because I'd completed a module in that as part of my HR training. Because if your CV is read by a computer, so lots of CVs are initially screened by software, they're looking out for key words. And those key words are often just how much of a match is this CV to our job description? Even if it's not being looked at by computer software, the person who first reviews your CV is going to be comparing it to the job spec a lot of the time. And so they'll go, oh, look, all these words we've said that we want, all these skills we said that we want, look at this, they're all in this CV, oh, wonderful, this person's a great fit. So as with so many things in life, it's about taking it back to basics and just thinking through those sorts of essentials. I love that. And actually, despite the fact that I have been a recruiter and ran a recruitment company for a while, I've always tailored my covering letter and sort of made sure that I'm emphasizing the right things within the CV. But I wouldn't have actually thought of using the same language. And it's exactly what we do in influencing. I always encourage people trying to influence someone, listen to the language that they use and start using their language. So that is a really powerful tip, definitely next level from anything that I've suggested in the past. So my listeners will be thanking you for that one, definitely. Now, um, you also talked about career management and this amazing course that you created. What what was the course about? Because I think we're all curious now. There were lots of components to it. One component to it was we actually offered everyone who signed up for the, the training the development day, or I'm trying to think what I'm called it. Yeah, the career management session was the option to take a strengths finder assessment. I've looked at all different kinds of strengths assessments, and it's my absolute favourite. It's also really inexpensive. So anyone listening, you don't need to have some sort of fancy corporate account to access this. You can just buy the strengths finder book, and there's an access code at the back, or you can go online to strengthsfinder.com. And I'm not under commission from them at all. <laughs> I always feel like I should be, but I'm not. Because the big thing for all of us is that we have strengths. Even when our confidence is absolutely at rock bottom, I promise you, if you've you know made a mistake or you're doubting yourself, you have got incredible strengths, but you probably don't know what they are. And the reason we don't know what they are is that our strengths come to us so naturally, so easily that we dismiss them because we don't realise they're hard for other people. So our strengths are skills, but they are our highly developed skills that energise us when we use them. So I passionately believe that if we understand what our strengths are, we are far more likely to have a fulfilling career because we can make sure that we get to craft our roles or take jobs that really hone in and use those strengths. 
have actually, I've got the, I, I always forget about it, but I've got the book um, and I did it ages, like years ago. And I was thinking, what do I want to do with my life? Um, and it was really interesting, but it, it's a great prompt actually, because we do um, in various courses and programs, we talk about your personal leadership brand and uncovering your zone of genius or your superpowers. And sometimes people get quite stuck on what they are for exactly what you say. They undervalue the things that come easily to them. But that is a great tip because what I will say to people before they do that module going forward is if you're not clear what your strengths are, go get the book and do that before the session. So thank you. I'm racking up the tips today. Brilliant. <laughs> so what else is important when it comes to career management? What else do you think is important? One of the other elements from that particular career management workshop that I ran that I still use all the time and I still talk about all the time is something that's called the 3E model. For anyone who's listening who might have a learning and development background, you have probably come across this before, but you've heard it called something else. So it's also called the 70-20-10 principle. But I like the three E's because I think it's easier to remember words than numbers. I'm definitely more of a words person than a numbers person. The very first E, which is the 70%, is experience. And oh, actually, I'll just take a step back for a minute to explain what on earth I'm talking about when I say 70, 20, 10. So the idea with our professional development, with our career development, is that if we turned ourselves into a pie chart and said, oh, okay, I'm going to look at this pie chart and I am going to work out actually how this person has developed their career and developed professionally, you will find that 70% of the development has come from experience and then 20% come from something else and 10% come from something else. But I'll talk about those in a moment. So by experience, I mainly mean on the job learning. And what that means for your career is thinking about the fact that actually to step up to the next level or to enjoy your job more or to feel that you're developing, you haven't just got to go away and do a course. I think for a lot of us, that can be our default response. I know that is definitely my default response. If I think, oh, I think I want, you know, well, before I worked for myself, oh, I think I want a promotion or I want to do this. I think I've got to do a course. What course is there to do? But actually, so much of our learning happens on the job. So if you feel like, oh, I've got a bit stagnant in my role or I'm not getting to where I want to be, just give yourself that moment to take a step back and think, how could I be stretching myself? What kind of stretch goals could I be asking for? And when I say stretch goals, I mean, that means doing something that's outside maybe of your comfort level and also outside of what you've done before. So you're going to have to learn and develop new skills to be able to complete it successfully. Other things you can do are thinking about things like, well, what cross-functional projects are going on within the organisation that I could put myself forward for, even if I'm busy, <laughs> because I know that I'm going to really learn different skills and get an opportunity for other um, exposure as well. And then if you're really stuck, if you're in an organisation where even though you're saying, oh, I want to progress, I want to develop, here's some stretch goals, here's something I could be working on, and you have an unsupportive manager or an unsupportive boss, and they go, no, stay in your box, just do what you're doing, we're not interested. I mean, I think you're very unlucky if that does happen, but it does sometimes. Then don't forget about the fact that actually you can develop these skills on the job by doing some sort of voluntary work as well. And Again, sort of like with the CV, when I said we all sort of know we should be tailoring our CV to each role, I think lots of us know we could be developing skills through voluntary work. But what often stops people is thinking, 
well, where are these magical voluntary work jobs? Where do I volunteer? How do I even do that? And then it feels a bit hard. And so you don't do it. <laughs> and you just carry on being really unhappy in your role or not developing in the way you want to. So just one other tip to give everyone listening if they're thinking, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to volunteer. Is that if you just put in voluntary action to Google or whatever web browser it is that you use, and then you put the area you live in, there is a specific hub in every area across the UK dedicated to um, promoting and supporting voluntary work. So I live in a tiny little town called Banstead, and we have got Voluntary Action Rygate in Banstead. And you can just sign up to their newsletters. And I have been so impressed by the kind of quality of the roles that come through, the breadth of the roles. They also run free training days on things like how to be a trustee. So if you're looking at, I want to get to a really senior level, you can still do that through voluntary work as well. If you haven't got that senior level experience, you can put yourself forward as a trustee or to be an advisor um, at a senior level for maybe a small charity in your area. Um, there's some great, brilliant insights there. Thank you. The other place to look for trustee opportunities is Do It. I think it's doit.org, um, but some of those will be national. Um, so if you're looking to move into a senior leadership role and you want a trusteeship, definitely worth doing that. If someone wants to get more on the job experience, how would you suggest that they, so you've given the ideas of what they could do, which is fantastic. How would you suggest they ask their line manager to do that without making it seem like I'm preparing for my next job and it's not in this organization? Um, so how would you couch that conversation with your line manager? It really depends on the culture of where you're working and what your line manager is like. Because hopefully if you're anywhere enlightened... <laughs> If you're working the, anywhere that's remotely enlightened, they'll realise the power of career conversations. There's a big trend in the whole sort of HR space at the moment for organisations to be leaning more towards career development conversations and away from performance evaluation conversations. Because, of course, what we found that everyone listening will have experienced at some point is if you sit down for a performance appraisal, you instantly feel a little bit defensive, like, oh, what if they say I've not been doing a good enough job? Or what if they don't realise all the hard work that I've been doing? Whereas if that conversation is phrased differently, if it's taken from the approach of let's make this a career development conversation, the person's so much more likely to be engaged. So I'm hoping that lots of listeners will be working in a wonderfully enlightened organisation that is all about career development conversations. But if, if that's not the case, it really is just about making that space and that opportunity to have a chat. You are going to know your manager much better than I do. So I guess my biggest tip would be to make sure you've got to know your manager before you hit them with this idea. So, so much of what you talk about, Carla, with building influence and impact, it's all about building relationships, isn't it? So even if your manager seems a bit scary, try to have put in some of the foundational work first. And by that foundational work, that sort of getting to know them, try and spend some regular time with them, even if it means asking to put a slot in their diary for them if they're not very good at doing one-to-ones with you. Find out what's important to them. So what do they care about getting done in the organisation? What do they care about delivering for their career? And see how you can support them with that so that you're going to be seen much more favourably and they're going to look kindly on you when you go to them anyway. 
And then it really is just about having that conversation and saying, I've been thinking about, you know, how I can progress. Or if you're worried, they're going to think, oh, no, they're going to do a runner and leave the organisation. Then it's we were chatting about this a bit before, Carla, before we hit record. It's about how you can add value to that organisation because there is a danger sometimes, and I have seen this actually, where we can become very fixated on our own career development and we sort of forget <laughs> that we are there to add value to the organisation. We're not there for them to give us this fabulous career. So try and tie in ways of, you know, I've noticed that if we change this process, we could save hours for the department and it's going to be a huge cost saving. I'd love the opportunity to lead on that. That is going to be looked on so much more favourably than saying, oh, I really want to have a promotion and I think I could get one if I um, start doing some process improvement without mentioning what the impact is for the organisation. So I suppose thinking on the spot where you've just asked me, Carla, that would be my main tip is about think, make sure you've built a relationship and think about how does your idea add value to the organisation that you're in? Brilliant. And yeah, lots of influencing tools that you can use to do that. You will have picked up in the podcast. I was on a call this morning talking about stakeholder management, actually. And one of the things I said when talking to senior people is frame whatever you're proposing in terms of how it solves organizational problems, um, which is exactly what you've said we need to do for our line managers. So think about how it helps them and how it helps them to achieve their goals. Love it. Um, so what's the second E? I'm dying to know. So the second E, which is if you imagine you're a pie chart and you've been carved up, <laughs> um, is the 20% bit, and that is exposure. So this is all about making sure that you have got exposure to people within the organisation. So you've talked about this loads, right, <laughs> Carla, you know, who, going back to what you were just saying about stakeholders, who are the key stakeholders that you need to know, that you need to learn from, and that you need to be able to influence, but also actually not just being very narrow and thinking about the organization you're in, who are people you could be getting exposure to outside of the organization as well? Because it can be tempting to just be looking inwards, like inwards at ourselves and inwards in the environment we're in. But there's so much to be learned by looking outwards as well. And so that's also about getting exposure to other things around your profession and your industry and your sector. So some different ways you can do that. You know, the classic thing that people are probably thinking of straight away is getting a mentor. And that can be daunting for some people. It can be easy for others. One thing that I always think is it's great to have a formal mentor, but also there's something to be said for just kind of spotting and identifying people. You can almost make an informal mentor without them even realizing what's happening. <laughs> so I know I've got people in my life who. I really value their opinion. They're at a different stage potentially in that. So for me, I'd be thinking of this from a business perspective where I have my own business. So I would look to people who have a more established business and think, oh, it'd be great to be able to meet up with them regularly just because it's great to network anyway. But I know that I'm going to learn from them. Hopefully they're going to learn something from me as well. But I see them almost, I've never said to them, could you be my mentor or you are my mentor? But I in my mind, I know they are a bit of an, an informal mentor figure for me. So that's one thing is around getting a mentor. But the other point around networking is kind of get yourself out there, whether that's out there on Zoom or it's out there in real life, uh, going to events, 
if you belong to a professional body or a professional association, it's very likely they are running all these events that when the email just comes into your inbox, you go delete, I'm too busy and don't even look at it. But actually, a lot of these events are fantastic. And if you are a member, you can often go for free or hardly anything at all. And you're not just going to get the benefit of keeping your knowledge up to date and really being aware of new things that are happening in your profession or in your sector. You are going to meet other people who do similar roles to you or who are at a more advanced level from you. And you just learn so much from hearing about what they're up to, what their challenges are, what other things they think are good for you to know about. So that's one thing to really think about. If you don't belong to a professional body or a professional association, that doesn't matter. You can still find out about other events that are happening. If you're on LinkedIn, they're promoted on LinkedIn all the time. If you go onto Eventbrite and have a little search around, you'll be able to find all sorts of things. But I think it's stuff like that, that when we're busy, it's easy to just go, I don't have time for it. But if you're serious about developing your career, it's actually a brilliant way of being able to really move forward. And then the other thing about exposure is not having to spend any of this time networking or going to things. It's just making sure you're keeping your hand in. So you're developing your business acumen. So maybe you're following your competitors, not your personal competitors, the organization's competitors. You might be following them on Twitter or LinkedIn or online, or you're just keeping up to date with trends that are happening in the sector that you work in. So that's a very, very quick um, overview of exposure. Brilliant. And just to signpost people to, we did an episode on visibility and increasing your visibility at work, which might be really helpful. I love the idea of looking externally as well. I can um, get really focused internally because that's my happy place and forget to look externally. And I can't remember which guest it was. I had a guest on the show recently that said, if you can't find your own mentor, then have an imaginary board of mentors and think, what would they do in this situation? Um, I thought that was quite a fun way to do it. Brilliant. And then tell us about the final E. So the final E is the 10% of that pie chart, which is education. And that's what I mentioned, I think, at the very beginning, which I know for me was always my default response. If I wanted to progress, I'd think, right, what course? What course can I do? But actually, if you think of that pie chart and we think of our professional development, for anyone listening, if you look back over your career, yes, any formal training you've done, any formal education will have helped you develop your career. But it's really by applying what you've learned on the job, so that 70% experience piece, that's what makes the difference. So I'm not saying to everyone, oh, don't worry about doing any training because <laughs> you're going to be able to develop just by learning on the job and you know going to events and making sure you have a mentor. Yes, education has still got its place, but don't worry about making that the kind of default reaction if you're thinking about how to progress and how to move forward. So the other thing to mention when it comes to education is we are so lucky now because we have all got resources like your wonderful podcast, Carla. Stuff like this just didn't exist 10 years ago, or if it did exist, no one really knew about it. We've got TED Talks, we've got the events I was just talking about. So even if you're not committing to any sort of formal training, then there are so many other ways of helping you to learn about new skills, new ideas, new approaches. But to really move yourself forward with your career, please, please, please then think about how you're going to implement them. 
So it's just so easy to for me to sit back and listen to your podcast, Colour, and think, oh, I love all these wonderful ideas. They're brilliant, you know, but then not implement any of them. So I guess my challenge for everyone listening today is maybe pick one of your episodes and think, that was my favourite one. I learned so much. I am going to go away tomorrow and I'm going to try what Carla suggested. <laughs> Thank you. I like that suggestion. I also am a big fan of training courses because I run a couple of them, but I, not of theories that you never do anything with. It has to be actionable, doesn't it? And you know, we're both coaches, so we're both very action orientated in terms of, right, so great. Now you've had that insight. What does that look like in your daily life? What's going to change? Fantastic. Now, the other thing we like to do on the podcast is to look at things from both angles. So as an individual listening to this, people have got lots of tips. I was, As you were listening, I was thinking as a line manager, this is super helpful because often people come and say, I want the training course. And like you say, it might not be the best option. It also might be out of budget. So you give them some really great ideas. One thing you talked about is you hope most enlightened organizations are now encouraging career conversations. I think I know quite a lot of not yet enlightened organizations, or at least my clients, some of them work for not yet enlightened organizations. If you're a line manager and you want to be having career conversations, but you're not really receiving any messages from your HR team about how to do that, any tips and advice on what makes a good career conversation from that line manager's perspective? Well, the first thing to say is if that is what you're thinking, hooray, that's wonderful. And you are going to reap such dividends from doing this because if it's not happening in your organization, you are going to end up with the most committed, engaged team <laughs> out of all of your colleagues because it's so important to everybody. And as far as approaching the conversation is concerned, someone asked me for advice on this last week, actually. So it's funny um, that it's coming up again. So she said to me, I really want to start having these career conversations, but I'm just not really sure how to start them. Another client mentioned about a month ago to me that she had arranged one-to-ones with all of her team. And she said to them, this is your space. You use it however you want. You come to me and let me know how I can help. And then there was just sort of like complete silence and terror <laughs> from everybody where they're not used to it. So prepare yourself for the fact that although you are doing a wonderful thing, it is going to reap dividends. It may take everyone a little while to warm up to it and you're going to benefit from putting some structure in place. So let people know before they're coming into the conversation with you what you're going to be talking to them about and explain why. So you can say, look, I know that your career is going to be important to you. I really want to make sure that you're developing and enjoying your role. So I think it'd be great if we could carve out a time to have a chat about it and I can learn more about you know what you think and what you want and then you can share things like the 3E model with them. There are other models um, that you can use as well. There's one that I really really love. If I'm allowed to point people to an episode of my podcast I had a guest on the show called Steve McIntosh and he had so I have given full credit he had created this model it's absolutely brilliant, particularly for using with people who are at the beginning or the mid-stage of their careers. And so they are the ones, I think, who find it hardest to have these career development conversations with their managers. So as a, if you're listening and you're a manager and you want to have this conversation, this may particularly help you um, when you're talking to them. So Steve has come up with these eight different value drivers. So when I said earlier on, always think about how are you adding value to the organization? He has identified 
eight different ways. Just, just even having a couple of them can be helpful, I think. Remembering them off the top of my head. One was impact on morale. So how are you impacting your colleagues? When you show up to work every day, how are you making it a positive experience for everyone else? And I think that can be a, a very interesting question to ask people. It, it can really make you reflect on your own behavior. Another one is around, I believe, <laughs> from memory, is around leadership. So how are you modeling leadership behaviors? I mean, I really, truly do believe in leadership at every level. You do not need to have the title leader to be demonstrating leadership behaviors. So how are you bringing everyone together? How are you inspiring people to take action? How are you sharing ideas? So really thinking that through as well. Um, oh, innovation. I think that's the one that really landed with me, actually. So you can say to people when you're having this career development conversation, look, I've got a couple of different frameworks that we can try out. Shall we explore them together and, and see what you think? So it's really not about placing any judgment at all. It's around, let's have a conversation about this. What do you think about it? So you could share the 3E model and say, I want us to have a career development conversation. I'm really interested in learning more about what your hopes are for your career. There are these models we could try out. Let's see how they land. Shall we start with a 3E one? And then you can run through it with them. So experience, exposure, education, what are your thoughts? And just see what they say. So you really don't need to be directing them at all. It's about taking a coaching approach and asking them to think and reflect. So going back to Steve's model, it's the same thing. You can say, there's this idea that there are value drivers. Shall we have a look at them? see what you think. So one of them is innovation. So how comfortable do you feel or how effective do you feel at bringing ideas for change within the organization? Uh, because what you don't want them to think is, oh no, they think I'm terrible at bringing ideas. It's not that at all. It's just helping them to think, oh right, if I want to progress my career, I've really got to be thinking bigger picture, not just about me, about where that value is that I'm adding. So I guess that would be my recommendation. If you like the sound of that model, you can have a listen to the interview with Steve. He's far more articulate than I am <laughs> at explaining what it is. I'm definitely a lot more familiar with and more knowledgeable when it comes to the 3E model. And if you don't like either of those ideas, literally just have a little bit of time on Google and put in career conversation frameworks and you'll be spoiled for choice. There are loads of different ways of doing this. Fantastic. Well, those are two really useful structures and I understood what you were talking about. So I think that was very clear, but we oh, will good. go and have a listen to that episode. Now, um, as we bring this episode to a close, in a moment, I'm going to ask how people can work with you. But if you wanted people to leave this episode, taking away just one thing from all the brilliant stuff you've said, what's the one thing you would like people to remember from this episode? That you have control over your career. So many people think their career is something that is done to them or that they are completely at the mercy of their boss or the organisation they work in. And if that's how you're feeling, it's not true. <laughs> Even if you've got the trickiest boss in the world and the whole organisation is falling apart around you, you've got control. There are things that you can do to make sure that you are happier, you're more fulfilled, you're getting to where you want to be. So that is what I'd really love people to take away from this, to know that they can be empowered to take action. What a, an empowering message. I love it. And if people want to find out more about you or know how they can work with you, where should they go? So my website is called Bright Sky Career Coaching. So you can have a look on there. And 
You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm always really happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. I go through phases of being very good of being active on there and other times where I'm a bit quieter, but I do try and share lots of stuff on there when I'm in an active phase. So feel free to come and find me on there too. Yes. So if you've listened to this podcast, go and connect with Vey and let her know that you listened to the podcast and you heard her helpful tips here. Well, thank you so much. I love the energy that you bring to this and your experience just gives it so many different angles. So thank you. I think it's going to be a very helpful episode for people. Um, And we hope to have you back as a guest another time. Oh, exciting. (laughs) If you've listened to the podcast and you want to know more about how we can work together, here are a few places you can look. First of all, I've got a couple more freebies. I've got a free PDF on increasing your leadership impact at work. And I've also got a free masterclass on becoming a more influential leader without letting self-doubt hold you back. So head on over to the website to book yourself a place on the masterclass or to download that PDF. There are my open programs, Influence and Impact for women at management and leadership level and Be Bolder, a four-week live assertiveness and confidence course for women at any level. You can pre-order my book, Closing the Influence Gap, a practical guide for women leaders who want to be heard. You can also work with me one-to-one, particularly if you're a senior leader, and you can hire me to work in-house to do um, talks for awareness weeks, one-off workshops, a series of workshops, or to run my Influence and Impact program or Be Bolder program in-house as a women's leadership or women's empowerment offering. If you want to talk about any of those on my website, you can drop me an email or you can also book a quick 15-minute chat so we can talk about what you need and how I might be able to help you or your organization. So I look forward to chatting to you. Take care.